All right, so I want to ask okay, you a question to begin this morning. Who are you in your life in conflict with the most? Who in your life do you have the most conflict with? Manuel says kids. <laughs> Marie says herself. Sylvia is shaking her head. Sylvia, who? Herself. Anybody else? <laughs> Christine is going and pointing to Cosa like this, and Emmanuel says, My wife. <laughs> you mean you don't have conflict with? Those that live far from you? I said the most, right? Oh, so, so, so the closer we are to someone, uh, the, the more proximity we have to them as we live life, would you guys agree that typically those that are closest to you are the ones that you have the most conflict with. Some of you even said yourself, right? No one's closer to you than yourself. So the, the conflict sort of goes from greatest to least, typically. From those closest to you to those furthest from you. And we're typically closest to our family. And so how do we respond and how do we not just tolerate each other and instead love each other in and through the conflict as we live life as family. Not just tolerating each other but actually living in a way that we love each other in and through the conflict. We have to learn how to do that. We have to practice that. Whenever we start marriage counseling, we sit down with the couple and we tell them, we have to teach you to fight well. You have to learn how to fight well. Because you're going to have conflict. And you have to learn how to continue through that conflict and grow in that conflict and love each other in that conflict. It's a part of life and a part of those who are closest to you. And so this morning we're to go back to Romans 12. We were considering following Jesus together, gathering together and living as a family together in close contact, sharing life together. And if you remember in Romans 12, Paul was writing to the church, and this church was made up of Jews and Gentiles. Those are very different cultures, very different traditions, very different practices, and different ethnicities. And they had been forced apart. The Jews had been exiled for around five years by the emperor of Rome. They had been sent out and now they were allowed to come back together as a church. 
And they were going to be sharing life together again, living life together again. With all of these differences. And Paul was writing this multi-ethnic family to encourage them to be unified. As they came back together, he was encouraging them to be unified. Not just acknowledging that they are related, but that they would live as family. And this unified life that they shared together, this was their holy worship. It says in the beginning of 12, this was their sacrifice to God, their life together. It was God's will for the church in Rome. And it's God's good and perfect and pleasing will for us, for LSPV, to live this way, this unified, shared life together, worshiping Him, sacrificing for Him through our life as a church, as a family. And this life together requires love. If you guys remember, it was a, a you before me kind of love. It was a y'all before me kind of love. Us before me kind of love. And in 12, chapter 12, verse 9, it began the description of this love. And we were working through that description of this type of love that we're to have for one another. And then we finished in verse 13, considering how we take care of each other's needs. We actually take responsibility for each other's needs. Remember, we all, we all have needs. Turn to your brother or sister and tell them you have needs. But we are all needed. All of us here have needs, but all of us here, every single one of us, every piece and part of this family is needed as we share this life together. But if you look at the end of verse 13, it says, share the Lord's people, share with the Lord's people who are in need, and then practice hospitality. As a part of this family, we are to welcome in it literally means to love strangers. To welcome others into our family and treat them and love them like family. Typically we like those who are like us. It's easier to love those, to welcome those who are like us, who share our experiences, who come from similar situations or backgrounds, or share our perspectives. But even when they're like us, we tend to have conflict. Your family is like you, but you have conflict. 
But when we welcome strangers, when we welcome others, others that are not like us, that don't share our perspective, that don't share our background, that don't share our experiences, it's cause for even more conflict. And so how do we respond? How do we respond? with all of these others those of another ethnicity those of another class those of another language those of another practice or tradition those of another perspective how do we actually share our life together with all of those others and love them through conflict? That's our situation as a family. That's the situation that Paul was writing to of this multi-ethnic family with all of these others together. And that is our desire and that is what God is making us as a bunch of others as we come together to live as family. And there's going to be conflict. There's going to be difficulty amongst us and we have to learn and we have to practice how to love each other in and through this conflict. And so if you look at verse 14 through 16, we're going to look at three things there are three ways that we love each other through this conflict we pursue blessing for the other we empathize we empathize with the other and we identify with the other Every time I say other, I want you guys to think of someone not like you, okay? Just put that in your mind, not like you, not each other, but the other. Everybody got that? We bless the other, we empathize with the other, and we identify with the other. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. So blessing here is the presence of God, the, the purpose of God, the provision of God in someone's life, that you would want them to be blessed for them to flourish. The opposite of that would be to be cursed, which is the absence of God's presence, the absence of His purpose, the absence of His provision in their lives. But instead of flourishing, that there would be brokenness, there would be difficulty. And verse 14 says, we bless those and do not curse those, right, who what? What's the passage say? Those who... Persecute you. And I'm reading this, and you might be thinking this like, wait, persecution? Like in the church? Like we're talking about the church family and even the others in the church, and yet Paul uses this that those who persecute you in the church. 
Would persecution be from those outside the church family and not those inside? And I want you to adjust your perspective. I want you to maybe think of that word differently than you have before. It's to treat it's to treat someone cruelly to treat someone unfairly especially because of their race, their ethnicity or their religious or political beliefs their religious traditions, their religious practices their religious beliefs how they see the world how they see how the world should operate their cultural perspectives and their ethnicity, their background, their identity, where they're from, that we would experience in the church when we live with a bunch of others, at times we are going to experience this treatment, this unfair treatment of one another. And think about that within the context that Paul was writing. There were these Jews and Gentiles. All, they were from different backgrounds. They had different understandings. They had different practices, different cultures. And yet they were coming together. And do you think that they might have treated each other unfairly because of their beliefs? Because of how they saw the world. Because of the, what they thought was right and wrong. And how you should interact with one another. And even how you should worship God. I'm sure they were cruel to one another. I'm sure they mistreated one another because of these differences. And I want us each to think about that. Have you ever felt that someone else, even someone else in this body, has treated or thought of you unfairly? Specifically because of your ethnicity, because of your country of origin, because of your social status, because of your immigration status, because of your religious practices, because of your culture, or because of your political beliefs. Have you ever felt that? How did you respond? Like, like this is real, okay? If we're going to be multi-ethnic, if we're going to be a family of others, okay? We're not all the same, we're not all alike, then, then this is going to be something that we have to deal with, okay? So let's be real with each other about it. Let's not gloss over, let's not act like it doesn't exist, like we haven't thought it, like we haven't felt it. Someone is treating me or thinking about me unfairly because of my ethnicity, because of my status, because of my education, etc., etc. How did we respond? I think what's most common, what's most natural for us, is just treat people the way that they've treated us. That's the first option in my heart. Let me just confess. If you treat me this way, then I'm just going to treat you back. Oh, not in the church. 
Pero no, así no se hace en la iglesia, que no decimos. Does it happen in your family? Pasa así en su familia. Happens in my family, in my household. Sí, pasa en mi familia también. It happens in our family, right? That we would just treat each other as we're being treated. Nos queremos tratarlos como nos han tratado. But maybe you're better than that. Pero quizás ustedes son mejor que eso. Maybe you respond differently. Responde mejor. And you just ignore. O quizás deciden ignorar. You just get quiet and you just avoid a response. No evita responder. And you're passive in the situation. You don't act back. You just resist acting, but your mind is going. You're thinking about it. You might be thinking, but not responding. Or maybe you curse them. Forget them. I'm done with them. That's it. I hate, that person drives me crazy. I hate them. They're so difficult. I don't want to be near them. Or do we bless them? Those are our options. Just treat them how they treated us. Just avoid treating them. Ignore them. Be passive. Or I can go after them. Or we can bless them. For me, and maybe this is because of my southern upbringing, I was taught if you can't say anything nice just don't say anything at all Ashley did your mama say that? So my mama said and so I found myself a lot of times in my life just not saying anything at all and honestly now times in my interactions with you or my times in my interactions with my wife for sure I find myself just not saying anything at all I just sort of remove I'm just sort of passive I just don't want to engage and if I'm mean I do it with a smile on my face and in the south you would just say well, bless your heart. Right? It's like taking, and I realized this as I was thinking through this, like taking what God's Word says to do, act like you're doing it, but inside it means what an idiot. Okay? If, if you're in the South and someone tells you, well, bless your heart, it means I, am, I feel so sorry for you. But it sounds really nice. But my tendency is to be passive. And in connection to our church, in connection to some of the seeds we talked about last week and desires for our family, I realized the conflict connected to race and ethnicity that was a part of my faith heritage, a part of my faith that had been handed down to me. 
I remember studying this and learning about this and about the reality of the church in our country and how segregated our church is, how segregated we are on Sunday mornings. I remember sitting on the sidewalk outside of Quiznos reading a specific book and reading these stats and understanding for the first time and weeping. I realized that from my faith heritage, I have a great-grandfather that was a pastor in the Assemblies of God. And then I had a grandfather who was a pastor in the Southern Baptist Convention. And I'm reading this. And I understand for the first time that the Southern Baptists had separated from the Baptists because of the disagreement, because of their theology and practice of slavery. They were no longer Baptists, they were Southern Baptists. And that was the, the, what initiated the split. And, and I had grown up, many years later, but grown up in the Southern Baptist Church, and my grandfather was a minister. Then the Assemblies of God, they were a part of the Church of God. But they split from the Church of God in the 60s because of their perspective and their practice around segregation and the civil rights movement. That was my heritage. That's the, the family I was born into. That's what I had received. That's what I had even experienced. The, the remainder of that, the leftover of that, that continued on in small ways. My initial response is, well, I don't want to actively contribute to that. I'm not going to continue that. And I could just move forward and minister and we could plant a church and not worry about ethnicity. And I could not sin anymore, not, 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 not move that forward, you know, just, but just be passively, continue on. Or, or we could actively pursue a church that was multi-ethnic. Actively pursue a church that would seek to bless, right? Seek to help and assist with the flourishing of others. How will we respond? Negatively? Passively? Or positively? With blessing? Paul doesn't give this option of being passive. He eliminates the negative option. He doesn't offer this passive option, which I like, but instead he commands the active response of blessing. There's no passive, avoiding response. No hay la opción de negativa o pasiva. 
for me, as I understood that with the church, there was no passive, avoiding response. This is something that we had to be active about. In our relationships with one another, we don't have the option to avoid and be passive when we're treated unfairly by others. The option that Paul gives us, what he commands us to do, just as Jesus did, is to bless those who persecute you. Bless those who treat you unfairly. And as followers of Jesus, and this gospel family made up of others, we LSPV are to bless each other, actively pursuing, participating, and praying for each other's flourishing, for each other's blessing. And if we actively do that, God will start to transform the way we relate with, we, with each other. If you are actively pursuing to bless your brother and sister, even if they are treating you unfairly, then God will move you to this response where in verse 15, we rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. We will empathize with the other. The lives of others will become a part of our life. We begin by seeking to understand the other. Right? Remember the other, this different person, a different ethnicity, a different background, a different perspective, different thoughts, different practices. They're so different from me. But I'm, I'm seeking to bless them. And as I seek to actively bless them, not avoid them, then I need to start to empathize with them and their differences and their situation. I want to listen and I want to understand the other. That we would seek to put ourselves in each other's shoes. And as we do that, it will develop and grow as we share and as we experience life together as a family so that we begin to rejoice and celebrate when they experience goodness and flourishing and we weep and we mourn when they experience mistreatment and suffering. I've empathized with my brother and sister who is an other from me. I've learned about them. I'm trying to understand them in such a way that it moves me to the place when, when, when they, when life is going good for them, when they are flourishing, when they are celebrating, I can celebrate with them. And when they are being mistreated, when they are suffering, I'm going to weep and I'm going to mourn with them. I'm going to have empathy not just putting myself in their shoes, but we're going to share shoes. Vamos a compartir el lugar. Vamos a compartir. 
That sounds funny, right? Imagine sharing my shoes. But that's a different perspective, right? I would begin to understand and think about what is life like in their shoes, but then we would actually get to the place where we would celebrate with them, we would rejoice with them when they rejoice, and we would weep with them when they weep. Like, we're going to share shoes, we're going to walk together, right? Because we sought to empathize, we sought to understand our brother and sister who is an other to us. And they become less other as we continue together blessing them, actively pursuing their flourishing. And we start to care about what they care about. We start to be broken by what is what breaks them. And the issues, the issues of others that do not share your ethnicity, the issue of others who do not share your social status, the issues of others who do not share your cultural practices. They become your issues. That's what it means to share shoes. I'm not just understanding your issues, right? But I, like, your issues are now my issues. And that happens both personally and individually. It also happens publicly and collectively. If you guys remember from part of our story last week, I had no Latino relationships in my life outside of the Mexican restaurant before Nita. We moved back to Atlanta. I still had limited number of Latino relationships. But as we moved to Chicago and we got involved and Nidia was participating and I, by, by proxy, by just tagging along, got to be a part of the Hispanic ministry and I got to be with Latinos and develop relationships with Latinos. And I became the gringo Latino. All of a sudden, as I had these individual relationships and I heard and I understood about the immigration status in their family and the mixed status of their families between the aunts and uncles and the moms and dads and the children and the mess that it was, the brokenness that it was, the, the hopelessness that resulted because that I began to care. I began to understand that situation in a way I'd never understood. I cared and I wanted their flourishing I wanted their blessing individually and personally but then it also moved me publicly and collectively to respond I realized as their brother and sister and as a follower of Christ like there needs to be something done. There has to be immigration reform. There has to be an opportunity. There has to be a pathway for citizenship. There has to be steps that these families can take. We have to do something. Something has to change.
And I started to go to rallies. I started to go with other brothers to listen and to learn and to understand about immigration reform and the politics around it. I wrote articles for a magazine, for a Christian magazine, wanting this. I, I, we started trying to encourage people in our church, like, we have to consider this. We have to think about this. Emmanuel and I taught a class, a four-week class, about God's heart for the immigrant. We were moving, like, we have to do something about this. It can't just be about the individuals and the specific relationships we have it has to also move publicly because I began to mourn with those who were mourning and, and I had to respond I had to, to pursue their blessing I had to uh, their part I, I, was, I was in their lives and this was affecting me as well in such a secondary such a lesser way but I began to share life with these brothers and sisters and it moved me to respond an issue that had never been an issue for me. An issue that as a white man born in America, I can never, ever, ever have. I cannot experience issues with immigration living here in the United States. It's impossible for me to experience that. But I experienced it. I mourned with my brothers and sisters who were mourning. And I want to celebrate with my brothers and sisters when they celebrate. Are we willing for issues that are not our personal issues to become our issues because they affect the flourishing and the goodness of others in our family. Issues that are not my issues, that are not, can't even be my issues, but they are the issues of the others, my brothers and sisters in my family. And so are, am I willing, are we willing for them to become our issues too? Are we willing in this family for immigration to be an issue? Are we willing for black lives and racial justice to be an issue? Are we willing for rent control to be an issue? Are we willing for accessible housing to be an issue? Are we willing for public education to be an issue? Are we willing for employment opportunities and a livable wage to be an issue for us? They may not be your issues, but they are issues of others. And so they must be our family issues. Amen. We're together. We're family. Your issues are my issues. And that's what it looks like to love through this conflict. To love through our differences. 
And then finishing with verse 16. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. As I've already mentioned, we move from understanding each other to identifying with each other. We share an identity as a family. We have the same mind toward one another because we share a life and identity as children of God. If you're part of this family, then we share that identity. We associate with each other, no matter how other the other is. We're part of the same family. Every week we talk about our service, our time together being interpreted. And we say we're, we, we have two languages, we have interpretation because what? Because we are bilingual. Some of you may say, well, I'm not bilingual, I'm monolingual. If you are a part of this family, you're bilingual. Because we are bilingual. And there is interpretation for us, simultaneous interpretation, because we are bilingual. And whether you are monolingual Spanish or you're monolingual English, or whether you actually are bilingual, you are bilingual. If you identify with this family, you sit in a church service that is bilingual. Whenever we interact with each other, there's Spanish and English. We're bilingual. And that is difficult at times. That requires sacrifice at times. We mess that up at times. But we're bilingual. And we do simultaneous interpretation because there is not a primary language and a secondary language. At times, we speak in Spanish and interpret to English. At times, we speak in English and interpret to Spanish. We are bilingual. That's our identity. And so are you willing to develop a new identity? To fully associate with others in a way that they become a part of your identity, about part of who you are. Even when it's a convenient, even when it's a sacrifice. Are you willing for your identity to change as you are a child of this family, a child of God's in this family? It says, do not be wise in your own estimation. 
No sean sabios en su At the very end of verse 16. This is not about our personal status. This is not about us comparing ourselves within society. We are all a part of this family because we are all in need of the gospel. Go back to the beginning of chapter 12, right? Because of the gospel, because of the gospel, we are in need. We're a part of this family because we all have the need of the gospel. And we've all been welcomed into this family through the gospel. There is equal status in this family. There is equal status at the cross. Paul tells the Galatians there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, but we are all one in Christ. We have these differences, but we are one in Christ. Because we've all need the gospel. We've all been welcomed as others into Jesus' family. You're an other, I'm an other, but Jesus loved others. He loved strangers. He welcomed us into his family. He met and he's meeting our needs. And although we mistreated and persecuted Jesus, what did he do? He blessed us. He empathized with us. Not just joining in our suffering, but taking on the suffering and the punishment that we deserve. So that we could flourish. And he fully, fully associated with us. He fully identified with us, becoming one of us, becoming human, walking amongst us. This is what we're celebrating, that he would come and identify with us. We persecuted him. He blessed us. He empathized with us. He mourned with us. He took on our suffering. And now he comes and lives amongst us and identifies with us. And now he says, you can be my son and my daughter and a part of my family. He has loved us as others this way. Amen? And that's why we're here. And we're supposed to love each other in that same way as we seek His kingdom, as we pursue His kingdom, as His kingdom is brought forth, as we wait on Him. We're to love each other. We're to love this neighborhood. We're to love this world the way He's loved us. Pursuing blessing for each other. Empathizing with each other. And identifying with each other. That's how we love each other. Through the conflict. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that... God, that you would not allow me to speak these words and walk away and forget them. 
Father God, I pray that we would not be able to hear these words, to be able to listen to your words and walk away and forget them. God, I pray that you would convict us as a family full of others from different backgrounds, from different ethnicities, from different social statuses, different experiences, that you would convict us as to how we have responded to each other when we have been mistreated. And that you would transform our hearts to bless each other when we've been mistreated that you would move our hearts to empathize with each other to understand each other to listen to each other to be patient with each other to give each other grace and that we would begin to identify with each other Lord, that my identity would not be about me, but it would be about who I am in you. And our identity would not be about us, but about who we are in you. And that you have decided, Jesus, you have decided to bring together a bunch of others to be your family. Those are the people that gathered with you around the table. Those are the people that you invited to follow you. A bunch of others. A bunch of the people that didn't belong together, Father. And I pray that we would continue as your family, as a bunch of people that don't belong together. A place where we know that conflict happens. But we work through that. And we walk through that with love. With the love that you have shown us. Please, God, do that here. Do that in this family. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.